Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Big print or small print? Big print. There we are. I'll give you a quick quiz this morning. Don't worry, it's easy. I'll give you a word. I just want you to give me the opposite word, okay? The opposite of fast is... The opposite of long is... The opposite of cold is... The opposite of young is... The opposite of soft is... The opposite of sour is... Very good so far. The last three contain today's message. The opposite of love is... The opposite of light is... And the opposite of wisdom is foolishness. So, final question for you. Who here wants to walk in hate, in darkness, and in foolishness? No? No. When, of course, the opposite is true. You can walk in love and light and wisdom. So, love, light, and wisdom. There's our three topics for this morning. Who ever doesn't want more of that in their lives should probably just get up out of their seats and leave now, saving me a whole lot of bother over the next couple of years. Wonderful, wonderful, you're all with me, that's brilliant. So how do we walk in love? Well, here we are, right at the start of the chapter. It says, follow God's example. In another version, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Who remembers Ronnie Ancona, John Colshaw, Deborah Stevenson, Alistair McGowan, maybe if I go back a bit further, Janet Brown, Mike Yarwood? Yeah, oh, there we go, right. Uh, All famous British impersonators, okay? And as you look and listen to them, uh, you can see or hear the famous person that they're mimicking, that they're imitating, right? If they were any good, of course. And the word uh, imitator or mimic is the word Paul uses in the first verse. There is, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. It is literally the word mimic, copy. Copy, replicate, imitate, impersonate. And every person, Paul tells us, every Christian should be trying to mimic God. And he gives us a a motivation to mimic God. Because God is love, of course. My first question is, who doesn't want to walk in love? Who wants to walk in hate? You've got to be pretty twisted to want to walk in hate. So why should we walk in love? Well, we walk in love because first and foremost, your identity is as a child of God because you are God's children, as dearly loved children. So God tells us straight away why we would walk in love because we're his children. Uh, When the new parents went with their baby to get him examined by the doctor, the doctor said, wow, you have a very cute looking baby. And the father replied, well, I bet you say that to all the new parents, don't you? And the doctor responded, no, just to those whose babies are really good looking. The father then asked, so what do you say to the others? And he said, well, I say, he looks just like you. (laughs) 
You know, and we are to look, to look like God, which you know, we know is going to be impossible on one hand, right? Because we cannot be perfect, we cannot be all-powerful, we cannot be all-seeing, we cannot be all-knowing, and yet Paul says we can and we should, as dearly loved children, imitate God, mimic God, copy God, impersonate God, if you like. Because we can all be loving. That's not beyond our capabilities. We can all be truthful. That's not beyond our capabilities. We can all be kind. We can all be generous. We can all be good. It's not beyond our capabilities to do that. And he's not asking uh, the Christians of, of that age, and God is not asking you to do anything that is foreign to you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. This is not foreign talk. The Bible teaches us that at your conversion, at the point where you said, I'm making a bit of a hash of my life. I think you, Jesus, could do a lot better with it. Maybe it was the point where you got baptized. And well, we've got a baptism service coming up this Sunday. And Jim, you're getting in the water, aren't you? Yeah? And anyone else who'd like to be baptized who's never been baptized before or wants to reaffirm their baptismal vows are welcome. I'll speak to you afterwards. But at a point of conversion, every Christian, no exceptions, receives a new nature. Because that's what it says. You are a new creation in Christ. You know that moment where you come up out of the baptismal waters? Where you go down, it's symbolic of death, of Christ's death. You die to sin, to the old life. And you are raised to new life, new birth. You become a new creation in Christ. And that new creation, that new nature, has to express itself. It has to outwork itself in love. I guess at some time or another you've had that kind of experience, that annoying experience where somebody bumps into you. Maybe you've been in a bar before. I don't know, you guys look like the sort of bar type sort of people where they spill a pint. You know, knock into you and spill a pint. And maybe you've been in a restaurant, somebody spilled a, a coffee on you as they walk past, or a Coke or whatever, and it's all over your shirt and your trousers. What does it do? It leaves a little mark on you, doesn't it? Or maybe a big mark. Perhaps even a stain, if you don't manage to get it out. So often, I think that we are like that spilt drink. In life, sometimes we have these bumps and these bruises because we run into these unexpected irritations or knocks, or maybe they run into us. And when they do, like that cup, whatever has filled us on the inside comes out. You know, how we react to life's various trials, difficulties, just the day-to-day living, really gives us and other people an up-close and personal, accurate demonstration of what our character is truly like. Do we have that new nature that we were given when we became followers of Jesus? When we're bumped into, do we spill love or do we spill hatred? Do we spill kindness or do we spill anger? Do we spill joy or misery? Do we spill healing or hurtful words? Now we could stop there and ask ourselves that and ask God to come and minister to us just in that, couldn't we? Just in the first line of that passage, of which we didn't read the bit about mutual submission and husbands submitting to Jesus and wives submitting to their husbands. Where are you, Rowena? 
<clears throat> so rich, the passages of Scripture. So we do it because we are dearly loved. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Now, I, I know for many of you, maybe it will come as a surprise, that God speaks of you, of us, you and me, in the same way that he spoke of his son, Jesus Christ. God said of his son, Matthew chapter 3, 17, this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. And in verse 1, we read, there we are, we are dearly loved children, because God has both expressed and demonstrated his love for us. The apostle Paul turns it around and now says, is it too much for us to walk in love to please him? Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Is it too much to ask that we might walk in love to please him? I don't know what your relationship was like with your father. I don't know whether you had a father. But I do know that the time that I had with my father, I did want to do things to please him. And it's the same with our Father in heaven. You know, I want to do stuff. I want to walk each day doing stuff that pleases him. I hope you do too. Having reminded us of Christ's love, he goes on to say what our response to his love for us should be. And love, of course, is action. It's not just a word. It's a doing word. It goes beyond your emotions and your feelings. It's behaving lovingly towards someone. In order for love to be real, it has to be expressed as an action. If you love your beloved, then you show it. If we love God, then we show it by obeying the way in which he asks us to walk. And he asks us to walk as children of light. Verses 3 through to 14. We're to be like him, imitating him, which means we're supposed to walk in the light. We're called to have nothing to do with the other side. If you've got something to do with the other side, come and talk to me afterwards. I will pray with you. And the Apostle Paul gives us three descriptions of believers that prove his point that we are supposed to walk in light and not in darkness. We can do that because we're saints. Have a look around. Have a look around at the people around you. Those people are saints in God's eyes. None of you have been canonized, do you? No, by Rome. No, you're not a capital S saint like St. Teresa or St. Paul but you're a little s. You're a saint in God's eyes. You're called to be holy. You're called to live differently. You're called to be set apart from the world. Here is the way the world lives. We're called as followers of Jesus to imitate God, to be holy. Be holy, Leviticus says, because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And if you do agree with me that you're a saint, then my question to you, my point to you is, well then, live like one. Live like one. You should be different from your neighbours. You should be different even from members of your family who don't know the love and the light that there is available in God. Then Paul says that we're also kings. I mean, you could translate as queens as well if you don't fancy being kings. But he says we're kings. 
No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So he says we're going to inherit the kingdom. When we trusted Jesus, when we entered into the kingdom of God, our heavenly Father became the King of kings. He is the King of kings. We're going to share in that inheritance. You know, part of a royal family. You guys are royalty. How about that? I've just told you you're all saints. And I'm telling you, look, you're royalty. In those verses, the Paul, the Paul is saying the outward evidence that someone has that inward hope of who they are is to look at their lives, look at their behavior, look at their actions. You know, you don't expect to see Prince Charles selling copies of The Big Issue, do you? Yeah? You don't expect to see Prince William selling dodgy goods down at a car boot sale, do you? You don't expect to see the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, to be promoting questionable TV products, do you? It's not the behaviour of a royal person, is it? It's not what we've come to expect of someone who is royalty. Well, apart from that woman who got married to Prince Andrew a few years ago. But we expect their behaviour to reflect their position. And you could name any other people like politicians. Our expectation of them is they will reflect rulers of nations. Our expectation is their behavior will reflect the position, the title that they've been called to. So we should not be deliberately and persistently and wantingly living in darkness. A party of school children were being shown around a hospital. The nurse was giving them a tour around, asked if anyone had any questions. One of the children said, how come the people who work here are always washing their hands? The nurse gave the answer. They're always washing their hands for two reasons. First, they love health. Second, they, they hate germs. They love health. They hate germs. Every Christian should love spiritual health and hate spiritual germs. They should love the light and hate the darkness. So we are light. We are light. For you were once darkness. For you were once darkness. Not in the darkness, but you once were darkness. That was your condition before you came to know Jesus. You only had that one nature, the sinful one, which was corrupt. When you became a Christian, God gave you this new nature, this new clothing to put on, one that is like him. And whilst we kind of battle around in this earth and trundle around, we have two natures which are fighting uh, for control of us. And very much so with the power of the Spirit, we get to choose who has the reins most of the time, which one becomes the most dominant. I heard a story about a, uh, an old Cherokee, a Red Indian, who told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside of people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. Wolves. It's a hard word to say. Wolves. My son, the battle is between two wolves. You know, arr, fierce dogs. One is evil. It is anger. It is envy. It is jealousy, it is greed, it is arrogance. And the other is good. 
It is peace, it is love, it is hope, it is humility, compassion, and faith. And the grandson thought about this for a while and then turned to the granddad and said, so, so which wolf wins? And the wise old Cherokee replied, the one that you feed. The one that you feed. And lastly, coming to a close, we are to walk in wisdom. Here are some words of wisdom. Anyone who sleeps like a baby doesn't have one. He who laughs last thinks the slowest. The early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. Some minds are like concrete, thoroughly mixed up and permanently set. People are more strongly opposed to fur than to leather because it's safer to harass rich women than motorcycle gangs. And at my age, I've seen it all, heard it all, and done it all, but now I just can't seem to remember it all. You know, there's a lot of worldly wisdom out there. You can find it in all sorts of places. But what we need, what we need is godly wisdom. And to do that, you need to seek God. And you know, the same old story I trot out here every time I preach, where you will find God is contained within the pages of this book. If you want to know God, if you want to mimic God, if you want to imitate God, you need to read the Gospels. Start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. One of the four biographies of Jesus' life, his incarnation, his teachings. You'll find wisdom contained within these pages. In fact, there's even a book called Wisdom. You could read Ecclesiastes. You could read the Proverbs. There's so much wisdom contained within this book. Only a foolish sailor drifts on the open sea, guided only by the wind and tide. A wise sailor marks out their course, sets their sail and guides the rudder until they, reaches, they reach their destination. On holiday, uh, we, were traveled, we traveled through uh, Europe a little bit. We were driving through Luxembourg. We've got a little motorhome. And uh, there was a flash. You know, one of those cameras that flash at you from time to time. And those of you that drive might know what that flash means. I thought, oh, it's Luxembourg. They're never going to write to me in good old blighty, are they? Uh, on the doorstep when I got home was a fine for exceeding the speed limit in Luxembourg. Don't look at me like that, Mum. <laughs> um, do you want to know how much I was going over the speed limit? Do you want to know how much I was in the wrong? One, one kilometer per hour, less than a mile per hour. Because it doesn't really matter, you see, what God was saying in that moment. It doesn't really matter whether you're point, what is it, six of a mile, a kilometer, or 10 kilometers, or 100 kilometers over the speed limit, whether you're one side inch wrong of the side of goodness, then you're on the side of evil. A wonderful way to teach me. 45 quid that cost me that lesson. But that's the truth. We steer a course. And if your course is one degree off in the wrong direction, you're going to end up a long way from where your destination should be. Steer your course using the love, the light, 
and the wisdom which is marked out in this great book of ours. Orientate your life towards God and sail as close to the wind of the Spirit as you possibly can. In Jesus' name, Amen. For more information about St Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviourssunbury.org.uk. Thank you.